It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 144. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. I, at the very last minute, decided not to call 144 our gross episode. Oh, <laughs> it'll be the grossest episode. Well, we'll see. So how's things down in Denver? Uh, pretty good. Fall setting in. Um, yeah, how about you? We, um, same thing here. We had our first frost actually last night. Oh, um, outside our, you know, our large yard here. Um, the bigger news that sometimes will may or may not, it'll be interesting to see if it impacts the podcast in the future. Hmm. We have, um, a portion of our house, uh, has started to undergo a remodel and at times what that means is there will be lots and lots of noise, which as you know, is not um, conducive to podcasting, but um, I'm using, I don't know if I mentioned this last episode or not. It's been a few mm -hmm. weeks since we recorded. I'm using software called crisp, crisp.ai because everything is AI these days. And, uh, it claims to do a really, really good job of removing background noise and echo, which is actually the reason I have it. The, the temporary office that I'm in right now is a little bit more echoey than the office that's currently under remodel. And uh, so, you know, it just seemed like a good thing. I, I heard other podcasters use it. Uh, the other day I was in a Zoom meeting, I think it was. Yeah, last week, a Zoom meeting, during which my office was undergoing demolition. And it's immediately underneath where I'm sitting right now. And I had crisp on and I could not hear the other people on the call huh. uh, because of the noise. And even though I was not muted, they didn't hear a thing. They only heard me speaking. So I have really, really high hopes that this crisp.ai uh, will actually make it a non-issue. We'll mm. see. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I might have to look into something more like that because occasionally I do get uh, noise as well. Mm -hmm. um, we actually had a, uh, a water main break on our street. Um, which conveniently happened right after I was done making an episode that day. <laughs> and, and then I thought about it and I was like, boy, it's been you know, six hours of straight noise in front of the house. And uh, I don't know how, I, what I would have done if I needed to record an episode you know, right. during that time. Right. Yeah. I believe there's a, um, a version for the Mac. Um, it's, you know, it's, you get, I think you get about an hour's worth of audio or two uh, for free. So it mm -hmm. makes it really easy to try out. But if you're going to do anything significant, and you and I both do a lot of um, not just podcasting, but um, um, Zoom meetings and yeah. video recording and audio recording, all that kind of stuff, and it just applies to it all. So um, it uh, uh, the paid for I, it's not terribly expensive. I just signed up for the paid version, especially, and I'm really glad that I did. Now that I had that experience last week, cool. All right, so you know, usually you know, every year Apple comes out with like new a new version of Mac OS. And then everybody asked me, what's new? What's new with it and all that? With Windows, it doesn't happen as often. How, how, when did Windows 10 come out? Five years. Okay. So it's not as often, but of course, they come out with a lot more stuff in the middle. Right. Um, but now we actually do have a new version of Windows, Windows 11. Yes. And it makes me wonder, it's like, what, what's new? What is new in Windows 11? And of course, I'm sure you have just been doing nothing but dealing with that for the last 
Oh man, so, I got. So I tell you, new? the my Windows 11 experience has been an interesting one, and not not necessarily in a bad way, just more of an unexpected way. Wow. Um, and yeah, you're right. Microsoft, uh, for one thing, uh, there was you know the the thing that uh, four and a half years ago, five years ago, when Windows 10 was announced, um, somebody, some random marketer said it's the last version of Windows. Uh, so, you know, it would just be Windows 10 forever. And of course, everybody believed them and took it for gospel and took it as a corporate statement. And of course, now here we are with Windows 11. So everybody's saying that, you know, oh my gosh, Microsoft lied, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's not like that at all, but it is kind of part of the, the convolution that is the release of Windows 11. Um, so, uh, yes, I have a, a long and sorted story for, for Windows 11, along with some reflections on exactly what um, what's good and bad about it. The um, My story actually starts with the TPM, the Trusted Platform Module that I believe we talked about last episode. Right. Windows 11 uh, announced that uh, when, it, when Windows 11 was announced, they said that the TPM version 2.0 would be required. It would be part of the, the hardware requirements for the operating system. And of course, uh, that threw everybody into a bit of a tizzy because not everybody has it. And the software that tells you whether or not you have it was telling a lot of people no. And it just went, went on from there. Then, of course, over time, Microsoft changed their mind. Well, you know, you don't have to have it, but it's better if you do. And, oh, if you install it from a virtual machine, then we won't check for it. Um, and then they reversed actually both of those decisions. It came back in that the TPM is a requirement. From my case, from my perspective, uh, that turned out to be kind of worrisome because I use virtual machines heavily to uh, answer questions or talk about the various versions of Windows that I do talk about. Not only do I have a virtual machine that is the same version of the operating system as I have on my desktop, my, my personal desktop, but it is uh, clean. In other words, it's much more like an end user's Windows 10 machine than it is my Windows 10 machine. Because you can imagine, I've got all sorts of stuff installed and running and stuff that, you know, quote unquote, normal people would never look at. Um, so I was concerned because the, the initial thing that came out was that, well, you know, the virtual machine software that you use, uh, Oracle's uh, VirtualBox, doesn't support TPM pass-through, uh, which means that even if your machine has a TPM, the virtual machine wouldn't be able to use it, which is which was a very big deal for me. Mm. Uh, as it turns out, my machine also, my actual desktop, my uh, it's a almost not quite two year old, uh, you know, higher end. Uh, it's a 16 core AMD processor. I think I've got 64 gig of RAM on there, a couple of SSDs. I mean, it's a it's a relatively beefy machine. And of course, the, the TPM test reported failure. Your machine is not eligible to run Windows 11 because you don't have a TPM, which confused the heck out of me for such a new machine because part of the news about the TPM was that almost every machine made in the last four to five years has one, if not even longer. Uh, a little bit of research on that. I discovered that uh, there was for my machine, at least, and perhaps many of the AMD version uh, machines out there, there's a, a UEFI BIOS setting uh, switch that needs to get flipped. And of course, in my case, it wasn't quite as simple as just turn it on. It's, you know, turn it on over here and then go turn on that thing over there. And then finally, my machine will actually report uh, that a TPM is available. So great, I've got a TPM, but I don't have a virtual machine that will know about it. 
So I have to look into some alternatives to Oracle's VirtualBox. Almost any alternative will do, as it turns out. There are several virtual machine alternatives, um, VMware being one of them, perhaps the most well-known. The problem with VMware is that it's kind of pricey. Uh, it's not something that uh, really would fit into the budget of the operations here, because uh, I think I'd have to have a license for each virtual machine that I wanted to run and so forth. Oh, wow. The, uh, the other alternative was kind of a surprising one, and that's Hyper-V. Hyper-V is virtual machine technology that's actually built into Windows 10. And I had it turned off because Hyper-V uh, uh, conflicts with VirtualBox. So in order for my VirtualBox machines to work, I had to turn off Hyper-V. Well, I turned on Hyper-V. And of course, my virtual machine, my VirtualBox virtual machines, all the, the symptom is that they slow to a crawl. It's a huge performance impact if you've got Hyper-V turned on. Uh, but great, um, you know, I'm able to fire up a Hyper-V virtual machine and lo and behold, I was able to install Windows 11 in a virtual machine and I got to look at it. And in fact, the article that I'll be mentioning later, uh, Windows 11 first impressions is really based on my poking around in that virtual machine with a, essentially a, a pristine copy of Windows 11 Pro. Um, so that's all nice and well and good. And in the meantime, my desktop machine, my, my quote unquote real machine, the one that I spend all day on doing all of my video editing and all of my writing and all of my other stuff, it was starting to have some performance problems. Now, I don't know. I'm sure that it was true for Macs at one point, but because you've got such a closed system, it's not as big an issue. And honestly, it hasn't been as big an issue for Windows machines um, in several years, but there used to be kind of a rule of thumb that every year or two, you wanted to reinstall Windows from scratch because software rot is the term that was um, coined for it. Just over time, things got fragile things broke, things just didn't quite work the way they used to. And given that I'm at the extreme end of, of software usage, PC usage, I'm installing things, I'm uninstalling things. I've, you know, obviously I installed Hyper-V, I've installed, uh, you know, multiple versions of VirtualBox. I've uh, installed lots of different software over the years, some of which I use, some of which I didn't use, some of which I no longer use. The bottom line is that the machine, uh, the performance issues on the machine were starting to turn into a little bit of a problem. And I started to look for answers on that. I did the usual things, right? I did the things that I actually, I recommend the average computer user do. Things like run the built-in troubleshooters if they're available, uh, do a, uh, a system file checker, do a DISM, I think it is. Just make sure that all the system files are correct and, and working properly. None of that helped, nothing helped. So I decided to uh, look at just reinstalling uh, Windows 10. Uh, there's a, there are like a couple of different ways you can refresh Windows 10. One is a true refresh where it's not a reinstall. That didn't help. So I decided, you know, it's time. It just is. I've got a lot of stuff on this machine. It's time for the more traditional, um, let's reinstall Windows from scratch and start over. Um, Windows 
includes this built in. It's not like you used to uh, do it where you would have to literally plan on formatting your hard disk and booting from something else to install the operating system from scratch. Windows 10 includes something called reset this PC. And you have the option of saving your data or not, which ultimately boils down to do you erase the whole disk or not? Um, I chose not. You still end up um, having all of your applications uninstalled. So you do end up, after all this is done, uh, going through the process of, uh, you know, my approach is to go through my work day. And then as I encounter an app that I need that is missing, I have to install it. And so that means that the first half day, the first 24 hours are uh, less work and more install than usual. But the bottom line is you end up then with a machine that has uh, just the applications that you're actually using, which means as a side effect, you no longer have all this other crap lying around that is potentially impacting your system's performance um, and freeing up disk space in the bargain. Uh, for example, I coincidentally stopped playing World of Warcraft earlier this year. And that's a big, big piece of software that is no longer taking up space on my machine. I didn't uninstall it. I just stopped playing. But now with the reset, I did. So here's how it all relates to Windows 11. Okay. I was on the verge of reinstalling, doing this reset my PC for my Windows 10 machine. And it suddenly dawned on me that, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> um, the Windows 11 experience I had in the virtual machine was not bad. It's fine. And I'll talk about some of the specifics about Windows 11 itself here in a moment. But I suddenly realized that, you know, really, this is like the perfect time to do this for me. If I'm going to reinstall my operating system, why not reinstall it to be Windows 11? Now, the approach that I took was to go ahead and do the reset this PC in Windows 10, which gave me Windows 10 reinstalled essentially from scratch with none of my apps installed. Uh -huh. But then I did not go about installing my apps. I went ahead and immediately downloaded the Windows 11 update and installed that. Yeah. So as we are sitting here, as we are talking, or as I am talking anyway, um, we're soaking in it, to quote the old Pledge commercial. Uh -huh. Um, my machine is currently running Windows 11. It's running it just fine. Uh, the, of course, the performance issue that I was having that caused me to go down this path uh, is gone. But I chalk that up not so much to Windows 11 being better than Windows 10, but rather I cleared out a lot of crap, <laughs> right? Yeah. I got rid of a lot of stuff that I wasn't using that was probably leaving things in all the wrong places that was just negatively impacting my performance. And to be clear, the machine was working. It just wasn't working well. And it really did harken back to the days a decade or so ago where, yeah, that happens. That's Windows. You just need to reinstall it every once in a while. That was true back then for the average computer user. I'm not average, but <laughs> most people, uh, Windows will be solid and stable for the life of that particular person's machine. That's great. You and I, I'm sure, I know I am, I'm an edge case. So it really made a lot of sense that this might be not only the problem, but also this particular approach being the solution. So Windows 11, yes. uh, what's my reaction to it? 
Meh. It's oh. it's okay. Um, it really is not the major operating system update that a lot of people kind of sort of expect when you get a new version of an operating system. My suspicion is that the delta between Windows, the current version of Windows 10 and this version of Windows 11 that I just installed is probably smaller conceptually than uh, any two given versions of Mac OS. Mm. Um, there just hasn't been that much that has fundamentally changed. The first thing that people notice when they install it is that it's prettier. Uh, they, they redesigned the icons and the default windows so okay. that everything has a different look to it. And I agree, it is prettier. Uh, it doesn't add any functionality in that sense. Uh, the, the biggest change that I think has a lot of people laughing in terms of usability is that the taskbar, which in the past is something that sits across the bottom with all of your uh, running programs pinned uh, on the taskbar are all aligned to the left. Uh -huh. Now they're aligned to the center. The huh. very first thing that everybody sees if they've used multiple platforms at all is they say, oh, look, they made it more Mac-like oh. because it really does look like the equivalent in the Mac. Yeah, the dock, yeah. The dock. It, it's not, you know, we don't have the, you know, we certainly don't have bouncing icons. We don't have the, the icons that grow in size as you hover over them. Oh, we don't have those either anymore. <laughs> Are they long gone? Well, they're still there. You can turn them on. They're off by default, I'm certain. And so we're yeah. converging is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the thing that I think uh, just sort of, I don't even want to say it doesn't upset anybody, it just sort of jolts everybody because it's such a, uh, a big visual default difference the moment you fire up the operating system. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that I did right away is that, yeah, there's a setting. You can change it to be left aligned so it looked, looks more like the traditional taskbar that you're used to with Windows 10. But uh, so that's where people, people sort of hit it first. The, there is a fair amount of functionality in the taskbar itself that has been surprisingly removed. Uh, on Windows 10 and previous versions of Windows for that matter, you could actually put the taskbar on any edge of the screen. You can drag it to the top, mm -hmm. the left, the right. And in fact, uh, sometimes you could do it unintentionally. One of my more popular videos out on YouTube is in fact, how do I put it back on the bottom? Uh, just because people find themselves with the taskbar on the side of their screen, they don't know how it got there. So they don't uh, know how, yeah. to, how to actually put it back down. Uh, they took that functionality away. The taskbar officially sits at the bottom of the screen and only the bottom of the screen, which I don't care that much about, but apparently huh. some people do. Um, as is typical in the Windows uh, ecosystem, there are a couple of taskbar replacement uh, utilities that are out there, uh, okay. either free or cheap. And one of them, I just read about it this morning, Stardock. They have Stardock 11. And what it does is it just replaces the taskbar with one that is a lot, much more along the lines of what people have are used to expecting, either in Windows 10. 
Classic Shell is another one. Uh, they gave it a different name a while back, but I haven't seen anything about it being updated. But my suspicion is that if it if it even needs updating, um, that'll happen soon. And it's one where you can get the taskbar and start menu back and have it look all the way back to Windows 3.1 if you like that style from way back when. Huh. Um, but that's honestly, that's the big single biggest change that people will notice off the bat. There are a couple of interesting, I'll call them window positioning uh, utilities or, or interfaces that have been added that make it very easy for you to uh, choose uh, a window layout of multiple windows on your screen and then immediately, you know, easily put this app in that window. Like you can have one that's big and in the center, and then there's a couple of sides that you can drag one and they will auto size to fit to either side or something like that. Uh, in fact, that's what I'm looking at right now on my screen um, in the center, taking up at least half of the screen. So uh, is the the Google Doc that we use for the notes for this podcast. But on either side, taking up maybe a quarter of the screen on each side are the two uh, are other two apps that I have running at the same time. Uh, that kind of thing is apparently very, very easy to do. What's frustrating about it is that... Uh, in a sense, it's new functionality. In a sense, it's not because it wasn't uh, built into Windows 10, but there is a, an open source add-on called Power Toys that was released to quite the fanfare a couple of years ago that has very, very similar features. And it's based on, uh, it's Microsoft endorsed, it's Microsoft signed, it's uh, uh, based on an old Microsoft set of, of utilities from years ago. And uh, it has very similar functionality. So clearly they were looking at uh, what people were using power toys for and decided to add that little piece of functionality to the operating system. Uh, you know, and yeah, it's it's got a nicer, you know, default desktop background. Um, it's, it's uh, like I said, got layout options. It's got these things called widgets that are back. Um, mm. And I say they're back because um, you may or may not remember this. Back in Windows Vista, I think it was, Microsoft attempted to, or they did, they released something called widgets. Um, and in fact, it may even precede that with, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember what the original, the original product name was. But there was a thing where you could have essentially widgets on your desktop that were somehow live. They were live news updates, live weather updates, um, and it was open to third parties. So it could be whatever the heck you wanted updates or whatever it is you wanted to interact with. Um, those got turned into widgets in Windows Vista and they always hung off of the right-hand side. They got in people's way. Um, they were um, you know, on top of things that you actually wanted to use. So they kind of became deprecated in Windows 7. Uh, the a true interface went away in Windows 7. Uh, they kind of sort of got replaced with some of the things that Windows, that live tiles in the Windows 10 start menu uh, pr provided. You know, you could have literal live tiles giving you uh, updated information, mm -hmm. but then those go away in Windows 11. That's the other thing. The start menu doesn't have tiles anymore. It's much more like icons once again, mm -hmm. uh, going back to, to, to that layout. But what they've added instead is this app called Widgets to which you can install, well, Widgets. And yeah. it, act, it, it acts much more like a standalone app with its own window. So you're interacting with it in a much more controlled way. I'm looking at a picture now and 
it looks a lot like the same named feature in Mac OS. Yep. I'm not, I'm not in the least bit surprised. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's one of the first things I disable <laughs> because, um, you know, on, on my, on my desktop machine, the machine I actually use, uh, I don't need that. I don't want that. I, and I think the reaction to, uh, they did add live news and weather to the taskbar of windows 10 about a year ago or nine months ago. And it was very negatively received. Uh, most people asked, how do I turn this off? Fortunately you could, um, in this case, it's a much more pleasant interface if you want to have those widgets around. But for the most part, my expectation is that the vast majority of people are just going to turn it off, which is really easy to do. Uh, let's see. What else did they do? Um, Microsoft has been late to the party with respect to uh, conferencing software like Zoom, like we're using now, uh, or uh, go to Webinar or WebEx or even Google Hangouts, their entry into that market is Microsoft Teams, which has been available for companies for quite some time. And they've only slowly now been rolling it out for use by the general public. Well, now it's installed by default in Windows 11. Oh. Uh, so you've got Teams, whether you want to use it or not. Uh, in my case, uh, I think I have, I did turn off the auto start because it's not something that I use regularly at all. I did have one person uh, that wanted to set up a Microsoft Teams conference, and we did do that a while back, but um, it's just not something I use or care about. So once again, I didn't uninstall it, but I also don't want it running all the time. Um, let's see. They claim the Microsoft Store is all new, and it looks a heck of a lot like the old Microsoft Store. Um, <laughs> they also talked in some of their marketing material about how Windows security has been improved. That may be the case. And by Windows security, I literally mean the anti-malware tool that's running uh, on uh, Windows by default. These days, Windows Security, formerly known as Microsoft Defender, formerly known as Windows Defender, formerly known as Microsoft Live Essentials, uh, wow. uh, yeah, had um, has become a pretty decent security package, pretty decent security suite. It's plenty for most people. They really don't need a third-party antivirus, anti-malware security suite. Uh, and supposedly, they've made some changes to it to, to improve its capabilities. I haven't seen any of it. It looks all the same to me. But then in some ways, you kind of want your security software not to be in your face if it's not you know, telling you how wonderful it is, which many packages seem to want to do. Um, that's actually a good thing. It's just quietly working in the background. Um, they also claim that they've improved virtual desktops. I use virtual desktops all the time. Uh, and um, I don't see it. I, they worked in Windows 10, and they work just as well as they did in um, uh yeah, as they, they work just as well in Windows 11 as they did in 10. I'm just not seeing a huge improvement. The biggest thing that I find annoying and that I suspect will not last, I hope it will not last, and that is that they have made it, Microsoft has made it, very non-intuitive to change your default browser. Um, they have a history of what less polite people would say of uh, would call ramming software down our throats. Uh, they really, really want us to use Edge as our browser. And of course, as you can expect, you know, the Microsoft operating system comes with Microsoft Edge as its default browser. 
it is very difficult to change that default uh, through you know, the supported official approach, which is a change. It's actually a step back from Windows 10. In Windows 10, while they did make it slightly more difficult than previous versions of Windows, like Windows 8 or Windows 7, uh, that was clearly for a security reason. Uh, in the past, in the distant past, it was too easy to change your default browser. And a lot of malware slash spyware slash adware did that. They would sneak in and change your default browser without asking you. And that's a bad thing, right? You mm -hmm. don't want to have yeah. that happen. So they at least added a little bit of a barrier in Windows 10, but it was still, you know, make this change to change your default browser to be Chrome or Vivaldi or Brave or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, that worked fine. Uh, in fact, on my Windows 10 installation, I would periodically just change my default browser just to make sure that I can do everything that I need to do in the various default browsers I have installed or various browsers I have installed. Mm -hmm. In Windows 11, you need to go into the settings app and change something like half a dozen specific settings in order to change your default browser. In other, in other words, rather than just one global setting that you could change in the past, now you need to say, okay, the default browser for HTML files is something. The default browser for MHT files is something. The default browser for um, HTTP links is something. The default browser for HTTPS is, so you get the idea, right? They've gone down to this granular level. And if you want to change your default browser, you have to take the time. First of all, you have to know to do this. I mean, you have to know which settings matter. But once you figure that part out, then you have to very methodically go through and make these like six or seven different setting changes in order to change your default browser. Very frustrating. My suspicion is that it won't last simply because Microsoft has already uh, had trouble, I mean, legal trouble, forcing things like Internet Explorer on people and even Edge on people. I think in the EU, they had to make some changes. I was reading somewhere that they had to make some changes to make it easier for people to use something other than the default browser that Microsoft operating system shipped with. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is what it is today. So my solution for the moment is... Honestly, I, I Edge is a fine browser. I'm happy with it. It annoys me that they've made it hard to change, but I've left Edge as my default browser across the board. I still have Chrome installed. Uh, I may end up installing Firefox pretty soon just because, but I definitely want to have a couple of different browsers available to me for a couple of different reasons. Firefox is an interesting case because they've actually apparently done some, I just don't know how legal slash legitimate slash uh, above board it is, but they've actually backdoored some kind of an approach where if you in Firefox say, yes, please set Firefox to be the default browser, it makes all those changes for you. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so it it is possible. What I don't know, like I said, I, I really don't have a good sense for not only why Microsoft did this, because it is such a bad experience for the users, but also what their motivation really is. If their motivation really is to try and force this on people, then I expect whatever Firefox is doing to be uh, disallowed at some point in the future. What I'm hoping 
What I'm really hoping is that they will undo this particular feature fairly quickly just because of the backlash. I suspect there'll be a lot of backlash, especially from folks like Google who say, you know, we've got the most popular browser on your platform and you're preventing people from making it the default browser. That's not a good thing. Let's fix that. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Interesting. So, I mean, honestly, those are the headlines for Windows 11 and they're not very headliney. Uh, there, there's just not a lot to to uh, really make it a compelling upgrade. It's so the bottom line that I'm telling people is that um, it's not compelling. There is no reason, really, to upgrade to Windows 11 at this time. If you're using Windows 10, you're happy with Windows 10. Keep using Windows 10. It's going to be supported officially now until sometime in late 2025. So you've got at least another four years almost of usable life in this operating system. Now, if there is something about Windows 11 or if you discover a reason that you want to use Windows 11, it's a fine operating system, right? It, it works. Um, if you're willing to live with some of the quirks that I've discussed here, then by all means, go for it. There's it, it, I'm using it. I didn't expect to be using it, but the path I came to be using it, I'm not disappointed. Um, I'm disappointed that you know the new and shiny operating system didn't have a few more bells and whistles on it, but I'm also not disappointed because it was a clean upgrade. It just works. I'm very comfortable with it and nothing broke. Uh, so is it really a new version of Windows? Well, yes, but it really does feel like just another version of Windows 10 with uh, you know a few random features that you might expect in one of these half yearly updates to Windows 10. Um, there are a couple of other changes. One of the reasons I think, by the way, they, they decided to call it Windows 11 and not have it be an incremental change to Windows 10 are the hardware requirements. By giving oh, okay. it a new name, by calling it a new version of Windows, that opened the door to them making changes to the uh, to the hardware requirements. And while the TPM has gotten a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of bad press, a lot of good press, ultimately the intent there is legitimate. Uh, it does improve security when it's available and when it's used. And I honestly believe that uh, probably some of the larger markets for Windows, i.e. corporations and governments, um, are suggesting or even potentially requiring that future versions future machines have it, future operating systems that they purchase use it. So it does make sense for that to be there. And I think that opening the door to a new set of hardware requirements by calling it a different version of Windows is what led to it being Windows 11. That that makes a lot of sense, you know, because now they can move forward. Like, as you said, there's no huge change between the current Windows 10 and the new Windows 11, but... Right. Now they can move forward and say next year they can introduce a feature and say this is a feature of Windows 11 and we only have to support the Windows 11 supported hardware with this feature. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I suspect that we probably will see some security related stuff specifically in that ballpark. Uh, because right now, when you think about it, um, anything that rely relies on uh, the, the cryptography, the cryptographic features that a TPM provides, for example, they now have to include both code for both with and without a TPM, mm -hmm. which, as you know, makes things more complicated, makes things more error prone. 
uh, makes things more fragile. So by being able to say, TPM being the example, that, yeah, there's going to be a TPM. The software that I'm writing is going to assume there's a TPM. Uh, that simplifies a lot of things. And specifically in the case of a TPM, makes things much more um, much more robust, uh, more resilient, uh, and much more secure. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting, interesting few weeks in Windows land. Um, I do believe that, uh, I don't know, in six months or a year, uh, there will be, uh, you know, some update to Windows 11 that includes a more compelling set of features. But until then, um, this really is best viewed as an incremental update to Windows 10. And you don't necessarily need it, but you don't necessarily need to avoid it either. Right. I mean, it used to be many years ago uh, that, you know, you would look forward to stuff like this and be like, yes. ooh, new stuff. Yep. Oh, I could get this from my computer now and upgrade. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play with it, you know. But that's not necessarily the case for the vast majority of computer users anymore. There's, there's that, um, and but that's actually a really good measure. There's not a lot to play with in Windows 11. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, pretty only goes so far, <laughs> and uh, there's just, there, there's just not that much really new or exciting about it that really would get me to say, yes, you really need to move to Windows 11. Unlike the transition from Windows 8 to Windows 10, right? Windows 8 to Windows 10 was significant in enough ways that um, I could easily use the word compelling. If you're running Windows 8.1, uh, which is the only supported version of Windows 8 still in existence, then you know it really does make sense if you can to go to Windows 10. You'll have a better experience. The user interface is better. Um, the start menu changes that they made to Windows 8, they undid for Windows 10. They did, you know, had a better solution, but we're just not in that situation right now. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, you know there will be some new and exciting things on Windows 11's horizon. But um, one of the other changes, by the way, they did make with Windows 11, and this has less to do with the software and more to do with process. Windows 10 is under what's called a half, I forget what it's called, but it's under a half yearly major update. So every six months or thereabouts, there's a major update to Windows 10 where they'll do things like add features or change things. There's still a monthly security release cycle so every patch Tuesday, there will be changes to your Windows 10 installation. But um, the major changes, the user interface changes, the features and so forth only change every half year. They announced at the same time they announced Windows 11 that Windows 11 would be on a once a year model. So it will change less frequently. My expectation then is that our next Windows 11 major feature update will probably be about a year from now. But because it's a year's worth of time, it'll probably be a little bit more significant and hopefully a little bit more uh, more compelling. And maybe they'll give me a few more things to play with. Mm. Okay. So that's you know Windows 11 in a nutshell. Um, it's yeah, it's it's fine, but it's also meh. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I guess I guess that makes sense. I think uh, you know you mentioned having Microsoft Teams. In, you know, part, you know, you get it as part of the operating system now, which I'm sure I know some people will complain about. Of course, and but and then of course the since it's included, the people that actually want it there will be quiet because you know, right. yeah, I mean because we get yeah I get the same thing all the time with included software with Mac OS. I every once in a while I get somebody who's very upset that there's say a reminders app or 
a mail app that they're not going to use, that kind of thing that, come, right. that Apple forces on them. But at the same time, I get people saying, why isn't there a weather app? You know, right. Why doesn't Apple <laughs> give you a default app for this or that? And I'm like, well, okay, so some people want more default apps and other people want fewer default apps. And yeah, you just can't, you can't win. I mean, what I what, wish what, Microsoft would do with Windows, and this is actually yeah. cr- across the board, it's, it's been in place for a long time too, is that I wish that it's fine for them to shower us with default apps. Mm-hmm. I'm actually okay with that. It's turning them off that they often make unnecessarily difficult or even mm-hmm. uninstalling them. Because a lot of uh, disk space isn't what it used to be, right? An app doesn't really take up significantly, you know, any significant amount of disk space these days. But people still want to uninstall it. They just, not only do they not want to use it, they want to not have it be there on the machine. I understand that. Uh, and Microsoft does make that harder than it needs to be. And I'm thinking uh, the other the other one that comes to mind uh, after all this time, and I'm checking to see if it's if it's running for me right now, I'm not seeing it, uh, is of all things, Skype. Uh, Skype is pre-installed. Microsoft owns Skype. Microsoft really missed their opportunity with Skype when it came to uh, the beginning of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. That's it is what it is. Skype is still uh, almost impossible to uninstall and very difficult to have not auto start. Um, it shouldn't be that way, right? It's okay if you're going to give me Skype. Just let me not use it if I don't want it. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that Microsoft, unfortunately, has very slowly developed a reputation for. Um, it's uh, in the past couple of years, it's been particularly heavy-handed with respect to making Bing the default search engine and having Bing show up all over the place. And now, of course, they're doing it again with Edge. They were already doing it with some way, some uses of a browser in Windows 10. And now, like I said, it seems like they're coming down even more heavy-handed in Windows 11. And that's frustrating. It doesn't have to be that way. Uh, if you want us to use your browser, make it a better browser. That's all you really have to do. Uh, and unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the approach that they want to take. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I uh, I have on my Mac many Microsoft apps, <laughs> and it is interesting that for the longest time, if you wanted the Office apps, you had to sus- well, you still have to subscribe. I mean, there is the one-offs you can buy, but I subscribe. Mm-hmm. But you could download them directly from Microsoft. Mm-hmm install them and then you also get the microsoft update app mm-hmm. which which is one of the most frequent questions i get it's how do i turn this thing off or get rid of this thing because it 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 very sneakily installs itself it doesn't give any obvious way to turn it off or mm-hmm. get rid of it mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people just are you know fine running word and having it say oh there's a new version do you want that now instead of you know friday morning you're just doing something else and all of a sudden your screen is covered with an alert from microsoft saying I'm going to download a new version of Word for you. It's like, okay, thanks, but I wasn't doing anything with Word right now. Yep. Um, please go away. And yep. the way to get around that is Microsoft did a great thing. They put micro, uh, they put Word, Excel, uh, PowerPoint, and I think Outlook too, and definitely OneNote in uh, the Mac App Store. And you could download it from there. And then that quietly updates in the background with all of your other apps. Ah, so right. if, you inst- if you uninstall all of Office, and then just reinstall those apps, you still log in with your Microsoft subscription. Right. But now it's all nice and quiet, and it works like it feels really good. Yep. However, they came out with Edge, and I wanted to try Edge you know, for Mac. <laughs> and, a lot, you know, and, and a lot of people are like me. They want all the browsers 
uh, you know, I've got Chrome, sure. I've got Firefox, you know. So I installed Edge. Well, then Edge is like, oh, well, you're probably going to want this Microsoft update thing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Then the same thing happens on, you know, on their, on their native platform on the PC. It's there's, you know, you install one thing and you get a bunch. The other thing that Microsoft is able to do with windows, of course, is not even have it be an installation you chose. It's just there from the beginning. Um, There's an office app in windows 11. Uh, What it does uh, is if you don't have the apps installed, if you don't have word or Excel installed, it just simply redirects you to the online versions which is actually kind of a useful thing. Yeah. And if you then install the apps using whatever mechanism you use, then when you click on the word icon, you get the word app instead. But uh, it's just, it's there. Whether you use Office or not, uh, the Office app is installed there. And yeah, I get it. You want to promote your own stuff. That's fantastic. I got no problem with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, make it possible to make it go away, please. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're right about this, you know, um, Skype thing. I think, I think just the brand name alone of Skype, I, I don't understand why there's Microsoft Teams. I, I understand why the technology is there. I just don't understand why it's not a Skype branded thing. Right. Because they have such a good brand in that. It's been around for so long. And if they had just decided to go head to head and say, you know, forget Zoom, forget FaceTime, you know, here's Skype for, you know, the free version of Skype for people to use. Here's the yep. business version of Skype. You know, they really could just have, you know, killer, like try, you know, attempt to dominate that market. They could have won it. They really yeah. could have. It was a huge lost opportunity because they were so entrenched before all this happened. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So, oh, anyway, well. That's my, my story on Windows 11 and I'm sticking to it. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it is what it is. I'm using it. Like I said, I'm using it. Uh, we're sure. soaking in it and it's fine. Cool. All right. So, uh, so what besides that? Uh, and I saw some of the things you posted to TikTok on when you were doing your install and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. It's like, oh, here we go again. Here's yeah. the here's the the, uh, the moral equivalent of the uh, the hourglass. Uh, yeah. The little spinning but things. Besides that, what else have uh, what have you seen that's been pretty cool this last? Uh, so, Anikul. Uh, so last night, finally. We ended up watching Black Widow on Disney Plus. Okay, yeah, and uh, it's—I—I I don't know. If, uh, I actually don't remember if you're an MCU uh, fan or not. If you're into, hey, you know, I'm a fan of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like a particular like you know, oh, you know, Marvel, DC, you know, huge like I can quote like you know, issue whatever in 1983 of Thor. They you know did said this. I don't do any of that. Right. But I do enjoy all right. the Marvel movies and the DC movies. And right. yeah, we're, you know. we're on the same page. Yeah. It's that's yeah. good. Uh, so, you know, I've seen all of the released Marvel movies so far, and I was looking forward to Black Widow. And they released it, it would be three months ago. I think it would be to theaters and streaming simultaneously, except yep. that it was not included in your basic streaming package on right. Disney Plus. You had to pay Disney Plus premium or something like that. Yeah. Which, you know, I just decided not to do. I can for three months, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. So last night we watched it. And same thing. I mean, I'm sure that the MCU purists have their nits to pick, but I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. Uh that was there was the fair amount of classic uh, MCU humor sprinkled throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the movie. 
uh, lots of action, lots of you know good stuff. The one thing that uh, I was watching it with a friend who's uh, probably uh, he was a comic book collector for a long time, so we had a lot of uh, background in in MCU early stuff. But uh, he and I both had the same expectation, and it was not met. Uh, that expectation was: I thought this was going to be the origin story. I thought this was oh. going to tell us how Black yeah. Widow came to be. Uh, but in reality, while they did touch very, very briefly at in the beginning of the movie on the origin story, in reality, uh, this is a story that actually happens between a couple of the existing Avengers movies. Right. So um, that was a little bit, I'll just say surprising, Uh, but that was really my only real disappointment. Uh, Truly, I enjoy uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, She's a good actress. She's fun to watch. The the story was interesting. The other characters were interesting. It was just a good time. I enjoyed it. I, 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 as long as you're not an MCU pedant, you know, where you really are nitpicking about, you know, well, they did this in the previous movie and she didn't do this in that movie. And, you know, why does this make sense now? But it didn't make sense then. If you're one of those people, probably not the movie for you. But right. on the other hand, if you're like I am, and it sounds like, you know, you are Gary, um, it's just a fun movie to watch. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we paid the money and watched it uh, uh, when it was released mm-hmm. on Dis- Disney Plus. So, you know, I think it was 30 bucks. And there were three of us, so still came in cheaper than if we had gone to the theaters to see right. it. Yeah. Um, and we have a, a fairly nice, you know, we've done our like basement rec room up with our our yeah. largest 4K TV yep. and um, nice sound system and everything. So it was, um, yeah, it, it, you know, we've done that with a few movies. We did Jungle Book uh, recently as well. Mm-hmm. And there was another movie this summer that we we watched that was also another like thirty dollar purchase or something. But uh, we, I'm yeah. I'm reluctant to do that for at home. Now there are movies for which um, I will not only just go to a theater, but I will go to one of the premium theaters. Hmm. Um, we have a, a membership out at IPIC, which we haven't been to uh, for a couple of years, coincidentally. Uh, but uh, there are certain movies that have the potential for being fairly impressive on the big screen. Yeah. So for example, we're seriously considering um, uh, watching Dune in the theater because that I realized that that one's a crapshoot, right? Uh, Dune can go either way really, really hard, but um, there's a good chance that it will be visually stunning at any rate. And that might make the uh, the theater experience worthwhile. And I pick for those that um, aren't familiar with it. They're a chain of luxury theaters where you, know, you get a recliner and they give you in sure. uh, during movie uh, food service kind of stuff. So if it's really spoiled me uh, from the old small chairs and sticky floors scenario in the past <laughs> to, um, uh, to doing movies this way. So we choose which movies are worth uh, you know, paying the premium price. And it's actually not that bad. Um, and, you know, going out to movie theater. So we'll probably do that here in the next few weeks uh, once Dune is released. But other movies, uh, like you were saying, uh, which one was it? you? Oh, Jungle uh, Jungle Jung- Cruise. Yeah, Jung- Jungle Cruise. That's it. Yes. Not Jungle Book. Jungle uh, Cruise. Yes. And yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Dwayne Johnson fan, but uh, I'm not going to pay extra for it. I'll Do wait you, the, the three month Delta. to have I enjoyed Jungle Cruise. Um, are you familiar with the ride? Of what yes. you faced. Yes. Are you, are, so you know that one of the big parts of the ride is extremely corny jokes. Yes. You remember, right. <laughs> that is like, that's part, that's part of the thing. Yes. And I was very hesitant, you know, the movie, I was like, that is an important part of the ride. 
it better be in the movie somehow. <laughs> and I was so happy Good. with the result. It, it is. So Good. Uh, it's yeah. funny. Dwayne Johnson is an interesting actor. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy watching him and he just seems like a, a cool guy just in general, but I, yeah. I, I like the, I like the roles that he takes on and the, the amount that he commits to some of the corniness that happens along. Oh the way. yeah. He does. He does goodness. It's all, it's all good. I enjoyed it. The, um, so for me, I watched a, 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 a TV series. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yes. <laughs> and I know I'm joking because it's huge. <laughs> you know, it's just like blew up on social media for whatever reason. Um, and you know, which which makes made me kind of angry because I'm usually the guy who like watches like uh, Korean and Japanese and Chinese like you right. know weird series and stuff, and nobody's ever heard of it. And you know, one comes out, I'm like, oh, that looks kind of interesting, and then it blows up before I could watch it. Right. I'm like, hey, that's no fair. The one that actually <laughs> like like took off, you know, was the one I was like a few days slow on you know getting to. Um, but it, it it it's it's really cool, and it really is a. Uh, it's an interesting, um, interesting series, uh, for sure. It definitely has some of, you know, I felt, I felt like when you're, when you're in school and you read a book and then the teacher, uh, talks about themes in the book, mm -hmm. you know, Oh, this character made this decision and why, and all that. It's like, I, it was a lot of that in there. Like you could sit and think afterwards, just like, what did this mean? What, why did this character do this? And did you name it? Yeah. Have you, have you actually said what series this is yet? I don't think you have. Oh, I haven't. Oh, no. Squid Game, of course. <laughs> I mean, you left enough clues for anybody paying okay. attention to, to the news yes. lately. Yes, but Talk about Squid, Squid Game, Game for and, sure. And and it's a very similar. There's a, a Japanese series called Alice Borderland that has a lot of similarities hmm. um, to it. Uh, and uh, you know, so anyway, it's 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 really cool. And now I've got two. You know, there's Kingdom, which I recommended before, mm -hmm. uh, Korean zombie you know series, right? And right. then this one. And so it's really starting to show that you know, I think right now, like uh, Korean uh, TV is is really picking yep. up. I mean, this is this is not English language, you know. I, I mean, was going to say I was going to ask what how they were presenting it. Yeah. Well, I did it. So I heard a couple of things. First of all, I didn't realize this until I was done watching. But if you pick closed captioning, it's different work text than if you pick English subtitles on Netflix. I didn't realize that. I don't even know which one I was watching, but I was watching just one of those. Hmm. And then I also picked the uh, the overdub, um, just because not that I, I actually enjoy reading subtitles, but in a TV series when you're lots and lots of hours mm -hmm. to watch, it's sometimes it's difficult for me to like always be staring at the TV. Um, right. You know, I've got my laptop and my phone and stuff like that, and and yeah, so yep. so, but I would most of the time because it was so good, I was actually staring at the TV, and I would notice that sometimes the text at the bottom and what the dub was were very different. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting the full meaning here by actually seeing two different interpretations right. <laughs> of what they're saying. Like I can really like come at it from like two different angles. Um, and then some, sometimes it was simply things were in the wrong order. Like, you know, the, there was one sentence and then another sentence. And then in the, uh, you know, in the uh, subtitles, it was the opposite. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, well, probably in Korean, it's one thought that comes out and then they translate it to English and they actually put it into two thoughts. Right. And then one version had it one way and one version had the other. So I got everything. But other times there were, you know, things that were just, I don't know, just conveyed differently. And I've heard a lot of uh, complaints about 
from people that speak Korean and English uh, saying that the subtitles uh, you know, messed this up or, you know, you, you don't get this character now because this didn't come across right. It is interesting. I've, I've had this experience myself because I do, uh, <laughs> Dutch was my first language. I don't speak it much at all anymore, but yeah. I can still understand it more or less if, as long as it's not spoken too quickly. And it is interesting uh, when I was in Holland to watch a Dutch TV show with English subtitles and just note the mismatches. Sometimes it just wasn't quite the same. And once you understand both languages, you can see how that can happen. Mm. And I certainly get that, um, you know, Dutch and English, they're at least similar in terms of construct. Yeah. When you think about um, uh, uh, an Asian language like Korean, uh, it's it's more than just a different set of words for the same concepts. It's often yeah. representative of a different way of of a different approach, different way of thinking that makes it's got to make translation just that much harder. Right. So I definitely recommend for everybody that they um, take the next year or so learn Korean, and then watch <laughs> and then watch the uh, the uh, season one of Squid Game. I have some Korean friends. So I'll have to ask them if they if they've seen it and if they have an opinion on the uh, <laughs> on the captions. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So in terms of self-promotion, the closest thing we have to an ad, uh, I'm just going to point point you all at uh, Windows 11 First Impressions. It's an article I released, I think it was last week. It's askleo.com slash 137591. Uh, and it goes over much of you know some of the things that I talked about. This was actually pre my having installed it on my own machine. This was based only on the virtual machine experience, but it does focus mostly on those kinds of things that I think that uh, folks who are just the average computer users who are migrating from Windows 10, what it is they'll notice about Windows 11 and whether or not they should care. Cool. Um, I don't know if you love pivot tables as much as some people do. <laughs> I love but, pivot tables. They well, blew me away once I understood them. Yes. Numbers uh, has added pivot tables. Actually, the, Numbers had something called categories before, which was very pivot table-like, mm -hmm. uh, but kind of a Mac version of it. And you know, some people said, oh, yeah, this will work. And other people said, no, it's not pivot tables. So Apple eventually gave in. And last week, they introduced pivot tables in Numbers. And so I did a, uh, I did a video on that. And I'll, I'll link to that. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds cool. All righty. Well, I think that pretty much will wrap us up for today. Um, yep. Gosh, we're closing in on almost exactly one hour. Of course. Uh, happens every time, almost. Yep. Show notes for this week. They're out at tehpodcast.com slash teh144. If you've got a comment or a question, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. And of course, you're always more than welcome, I'd even say encouraged, to leave us comments on our show notes page. As always, thanks for listening, and we will be off again next week. Uh, I understand somebody is traveling, and yep. we will be hopefully here in, back in two weeks. Until then, take care. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.